Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's bow our hearts and pray. Father, we thank you uh, for giving us this opportunity uh, to spend time with you, spend time at your feet, learning from you, Lord. And once again, I do pray um, for an openness in our hearts and mind to, to receive whatever it is you want to uh, speak to us uh, tonight through your word. And, and I do pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, tonight to not be distracted by um, anything, not by the cares of this life or anything tonight. Uh, tonight, we just want to um, just, just dedicate this moment to you, Father, and we just want to give you glory. And I pray, Father, that um, you'll, you'll give me the gift of teaching for tonight so that I'll be able to rightly divide your word of truth. And Lord, I do ask for a timely word to speak uh, a word that your people need to hear in this season, Father. And may we all leave this place better than when we came in tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we are in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to cover verses 7 through 31. And so 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 7 through 31. And the title of the message is Sharing in the Victory. Sharing in the Victory. And so in our last study, we left off at a place of what I would call emotional anguish for David and his 600 men those 600 men who were with him. Uh, But we saw that David did not stay in that place very long. He didn't stay in that place of emotional distress or anguish. The scriptures tell us that he strengthened himself in the Lord. And there's something else that he's going to do after strengthening himself in the Lord. And so for that next thing that David is going to do, we're going to look at verse 7 in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And it says, Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, Please bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod, which was that special apron or that vest that the high priest wore. He, he brought that uh, to David. And so in verse 8 it says, So David inquired of the Lord. He asked of the Lord, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I go after this this band of raiders, these Amalekites who raided his his home at that time of Ziklag? That's where David and those 600 warriors, those 600 men were standing. They were standing in Ziklag, but the Amalekites raided it. And so now David is asking the Lord, shall I go after them? Shall I pursue them? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered David, Pursue, go ahead, go after them, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all, recover everything, everything they stole from you, including your, your wives and, and, and your children. And so he inquired of the Lord most likely by using the priests Um, in order to seek God's will by using uh, these stones called the Urim and the Thummim, meaning the lights and perfection. And these two stones, and we believe they were stones, they were located in the breastplate 
of judgment. And that breastplate of judgment that the high priest wore uh, was attached to this ephod, this, this special apron that the high priest wore. And so we believe that David, uh, when he inquired of the Lord, he asked uh, Abiathar to, to use the Urim and the Thummim um, that was attached to this breastplate of judgment in order to figure out what God's will is in regard to this situation. And so after David inquired of the Lord, after he sought the Lord's will, we see here that the Lord gave him a word. And this word that the Lord gave him is what I will personally call a sure word, a sure word. And it's a sure word because he he told him that you'll surely overtake him and without fail recover all. So this is a promise that he gave to him. And so many of us think, many of us think that it would be easier to obey the Lord if we had a sure word from him. Lord, if you promised me that I would be successful just 100% in, in my endeavors, then I will go ahead and do it. Lord, I would obey you in this regard if you can promise me 100% that everything is going to be okay. And so many people, yes, they think it would be easier if they had that guaranteed word from the Lord. And for some people, of course, that may be true, but for others, it is not true. For example, the Lord guarantees salvation to those who repent, for those who have a change of mind, change the way uh, they, they see sin. They, they see sin in a, in a way in which they approve of it. And they see it that way through their lifestyle, live in that lifestyle of sin, but, but change from that, repent from that, and turn to the Lord. And so he guarantees salvation to those who will repent, for those who will have that change of mind from sin. Change the way you see sin, you view sin, and then put your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation. Oh, that's a sure thing that would happen, that God guarantees salvation for the person who puts their faith in Jesus Christ, the Jesus Christ of the Bible, not the Jesus Christ that other cults talk about, cults or these, these false belief systems or religions, not those Jesuses. Because that Jesus that some of them talk about is just a good man, is just a good prophet, just a good uh, teacher, or, or even the, the brother of Lucifer, the spirit brother of Lucifer. That, that's demonic doctrine. It's demonic. That's what it is because it's not based on the truth. It's not based on the way that God revealed himself to be. And so that's why I said put your faith in the Jesus Christ uh, of the Bible for salvation. And then there's a guarantee of that salvation. That is a sure word for anyone who would obey that call to repent. Then there's, of course, and practically in our lives, you know, the Lord tells us what to do to, to not escalate a situation that involves wrath. You know, he tells us that that, that soft answer that soft answer, putting it in my own words, will not escalate wrath. So he tells us what to do. He gives us that sure word that, hey, if you don't want to, uh, you know, make this argument worse, if you wanna, don't want to make this person more angry in their attitude, in their emotions, in their speech, then, then give a soft answer. He tells us that in Proverbs 15, 1, that is a sure word, but do some of us obey it? No. 
Now, we answer back with a, a, an angry answer, then things escalate. The Lord also tells us how to be blessed. He gives us a sure word, in other words, of how to be blessed. And we can find an example of that in Psalm 34, verse 8. Because there in that verse, it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And then what it says after that, it says, Blessed is the man, blessed is the person, the woman, man, child, whatever, who trusts in him. Now, word blessed could also, means, could also mean happy. People are looking for happiness. They're looking for ways to be blessed where, well, well, God gives us a sure way, a sure word on how to be blessed. These are just examples of a sure word in the scriptures, but not all of us obey the sure word from the Lord. And so in verse 9, it says, so David went, he obeyed that sure word. And he and the 600 men who were with him, and they came to the brook Besor, which was located south of Ziklag, where David and his men were staying. And in verse 10, it says, But David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 stayed behind who were so weary, they were so exhausted that they could not cross the brook Besor. And so some people stayed behind at the brook Besor. 200 men stayed behind and and 400 pursued and like these 200 men who stayed behind at at brook besor you know some of us can can only go so far in regard to our ability and in regard to our physical strength or limitations some of us can only go so far just like these 200 men and also some of us can only go as far as spiritual gifts and ministry are concerned. And it may not be for us to do something in ministry because maybe we don't have that, that spiritual gift. But maybe God will give us that, that idea and we present the idea. And, and maybe it's for someone else to take that idea that the Lord placed within us and run with it. So some of us can only go as far as our physical limitations as our ability, spiritual gifts, or ministry are concerned. But then, of course, like the 400 who continue to move on and press on, like with King David, not a king right now. He's not on the throne right now, but I'll call him King David. He's been anointed king. But like those 400 who went with him, some of us can go a little farther because maybe we have been gifted in that area. Maybe we don't have the physical limitations. Maybe we do have the resources to, to take the idea, for example, uh, just a little bit further. You know, some of us can only take a ministry so far or it was successful during the time that God was using us in a mighty way in a particular ministry. But maybe it's for the next generation to take that ministry a little further. You know, some of us may, may only be able to physically go as far as Queen Creek in order to minister and, and witness. And, this, and if that's where God placed you, if that's as far as you can go, if that's your brook be sore, if you will, then so be it. Be faithful in that. 
But there may be others like these 400 who may be able to go to other states and maybe even other countries to minister and share the gospel. And if that's what God called you to do, then do that and be faithful in that. Godspeed to you. May the Lord be with you. But the point I want to make from all of this is that each role in the church is important. Every role in the church is important. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18, it says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. In what body? The body of Christ, speaking of the church. And so some of you may be a finger or a leg or or toe, but, but he placed each one of us in the body, in the body of Christ, in the church, in the bride of Christ, as he pleased. And in verse 22 of uh, 1 Corinthians 12, just skipping ahead, it says, those members of the body would seem to be weaker or necessary. So whether you are the 200, if you will, who stay back at the Brook Besor, or if you that 400 who are able to move forward and maybe are more in the forefront than others, We all are necessary in the body of Christ. And God has set each one of us in the body as he pleased. God is wise. He knows exactly what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing when he allowed you to use a certain spiritual gift or gifts. Some people are allowed to use more spiritual gifts than one. But every believer has at least one. Every believer is able to use at least one spiritual gift. And and whatever that is, use it for the glory of God. Use it to be a blessing to the body of Christ. Verse 11, then they found an Egyptian in the field, David and the 400 men. And they brought him to David and they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And they gave this Egyptian a piece of cake of figs or these pressed figs and two clusters of raisins. And so when this Egyptian, when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, it says, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me behind because three days ago, he says, I fell sick. And so here, just just looking at this situation, seeing what this Amalekite uh, master did, how he left this Egyptian servant back because he was sick, just seeing that we see a disregard for human life. And that disregard for human life, by the way, is unloving. It It was not a loving thing to do. And speaking of that characteristic of being unloving, I just want to share with you tonight that this unloving attitude will also be a characteristic of people in the last days. So, yes, we are in the last days and and, and we do see this unloving attitude. And and Pastor Durrell, why do you say that? Well, uh, if if you will, or please turn there or write it down somewhere. But if you will, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. So 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. It says, 
But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come or difficult times will come for men will be lovers of themselves. It's going to be all about them. Just this people just going to be selfish, lovers of themselves, lovers of money. We know what happens with that. You know, the, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. We see that today. They're going to be boasters, bragging about themselves. In other words, they're going to be proud, full of pride, blasphemers. So they're going to be abusive or um, just scoffing at God. They're going to be disobedient to parents. That doesn't happen, right? They're going to be unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. You know, you know, you see some of these videos where, where people just going around punching the elderly just for no apparent reason. You see them on buses and trains just punching and kicking people for no apparent reason, just brutal, despisers of good. Whatever is good, they just hate it. They're going to be traitors. In other words, they're going to be betraying people, betraying their friends and headstrong, which means that they'll be reckless. They're going to be haughty or conceited. They're going to be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They're going to also have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Oh, I'm not religious. I, I, I'm not religious. I don't, I don't believe in the Jesus you believe. I don't uh, believe that the Bible's the word of God, but I am spiritual. Oh, I'm religious or I, I do go to church. So um, you don't have to spend a lot of time telling me what the Bible says. I've been to church before with my grandparents. So they're going to have this, there's this form of godliness. Are they going to be doing those, those meditations? I'm talking about the, 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 the meditations that the Eastern religions do. Not meditating on the word of God. And you see more and more of that being pushed, even in the commercial, this meditation uh, that comes from the Eastern religions with their, their legs crossed and the fingertips and the thumbs pressed together. You see more and more of that. That's more acceptable, but they don't want to show anybody praying to the Lord with their Bibles open. They don't want to show that in commercials. So, yes, they'll have a form of godliness. They'll look religious on the outside, but denying the power thereof, denying the real power that would help them to be godly and to truly live a godly life. Denying that power. But we continue to talk about unloving because that's the thing I wanted to point out. Just to remind you of the point I was making that that unloving attitude will be characteristic of people in the last days. You see that whenever you see people, movie stars, celebrity, applauding and celebrating the fact that they had an abortion, that's straight evil. I don't care what you call it, that's evil. That baby is still a baby, whether it's inside the womb or outside the womb, it's, it's still a human. It's not a peanut. It's not whatever inanimate thing you want to 
you want to call it, it, it's a human. People are made in the image of God. And so really, when we murder, when we promote murder, you're really slapping God in the face because humans are made in his image. And so that's why God instituted the death penalty. Yes, God instituted that in the Old Testament. He said it to Noah, and then you still see it in the New Testament. He gave the government that authority. Why? Because man, humans are made in the image of God. And so if another human kills another human, then that human who did the murdering, the human who did the murdering, that that person needs to be put to death. That's according to the word of God. That's God's word. Not all killing, by the way, is murder. But all murder is killing. Because you see some people killing for defense, for example, in times of war to protect the country. You see David doing it. It's killing. It's, it's, it's for protection. Hopefully, that don't, you don't, that, nobody has to be in that position. But some people do have to protect the family, especially the army, the police officer, things like that. They don't go out there planning on hurting anybody or killing anybody, but sometimes it happened in defending a community or defending a country. So not all killing is murder, but all murder is killing. So when the Bible says thou shalt not kill, it's saying thou shalt not murder. That is premeditated. And yes, when you have anybody promoting something like uh, abortion or whatever, that, that's murder. That is premeditated. And so if, if, if that's something you've been through, this is no condemnation. God forgives all sin. It's no condemnation. That's just the truth about the situation. No condemnation. God, if you repented and put your faith in Christ, I do want to share that with you if you've ever been through an abortion. So God forgives. There's only one sin that he doesn't forgive, and that's blaspheming the Holy Spirit. It's the only sin that is unforgivable, and only an unbeliever could do that, by the way. Only an unbeliever could do that because blaspheming the Holy Spirit is, is telling the Holy Spirit, no, I don't, I don't receive your witness about Jesus because Jesus says that the Holy Spirit testifies of him. So, so you see in the Godhead, you see in the, in the Trinity, you see these different roles. The, the Son, Jesus Christ, he submits to the Father, and then the Holy Spirit testifies of Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit is convicting people of sin, trying to point people to Jesus. Hey, you are a sinner. Come on. This is the Savior, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is doing his job, testifying of Christ. It's when we say no to the Holy Spirit, to his witness of Jesus Christ, you're blaspheming the Holy Spirit. There's no way you can be forgiven. Why? Because you're rejecting the only one that he's testifying about, the only one who could provide salvation. But no, if you've done any other sin, abortion, whatever, hey, God can't forgive you. God has forgiven you if you're a believer. So I don't want you to leave this place condemned. We're just speaking uh, about the unloving attitude of people in the last days. And that's just one example. You can point to many, but we continue in verse 14. It says, we made an invasion, and this is that, that Egyptian servant. He said, we made an invasion or a raid of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and of the southern area of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, can you take me down to this band of raiders or this troop? And, and so 
um, he said, the Egyptians said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master. And I will take you down to this troop. I will take you down to this band of raiders. Well, the raiders seem like a bad, you know, bad guys. I'm sorry, my favorite team is the raiders, but so it's crazy kind of reading this. But verse 16, and when he had brought him down, there they were spread out over all the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight or from sunset until the evening of the next day with his 400 men. Now, not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. And so David, in verse 18, he recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great. In other words, young or old, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered all. So just as the Lord said, David recovered all that was stolen from him and those 600 men, nothing of theirs was lacking. And that brings me to a question tonight. And that question that I want to throw out there to you is, is there anything in your life that you know you need to recover? Anything you need to recover? Oh, yes, there's some people who need to keep pursuing, like the Lord told David to pursue and recover everything. You, some of you need to keep pursuing and, and recover your marriages. Or some of you need to keep pursuing and recover that peace that you allowed to be stolen from you because of a bad circumstance. And some of you need to continue to pursue and, and recover that joy that you once had. You know, and the thing about the peace and the joy is that they're they're actually matters of really redirecting our attention from ourselves and redirecting our attention from our circumstances. We redirect our our attention from those things and and redirect it now towards God. And so when I focus on myself, on how I'm going to solve the issue, how I'm going to solve the problem. If, if I focus on the circumstance that seems so intimidating, that seems so big, if that's where all of my focus is, then guess what? Then, then yes, I will not experience the peace and joy that I should be experiencing in Christ Jesus. And so some redirecting needs to take place. And so continue to pursue that. If you lost that peace or if you felt that you lost that peace, if you felt that you lost that joy, continue to pursue it by redirecting your attention from yourself and your circumstance and redirecting your attention to God in faith. Because in regard to peace, the Lord says that he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And he tells us to not be anxious, to not worry about anything, but to go to him in prayer. Go to him in prayer. And it says that, that the peace of God will, will guard our hearts and mind, will guard our hearts and minds from what? From anxiety, from worry. So some of us need to recover that peace and joy. 
but it, but it, but a, it belongs to us in Christ Jesus. It's not something that's not attainable. It's something that God wants to give to us. But, but where is our attention? And, I'm, and I speak to myself as well. So it's not just for you. It's not just for thee and not for me. The word of God is for all of us. And verse 20, in verse 22 through uh, 22, as we continue, I don't want to keep you too long. It says, then David took all the flocks. He took all the herds. And it says that his men, that is the day that is referring to his men had driven before those other livestock. And they said, so those men said, the people said, this is David's spoil. This is David's plunder. Now David came to the 200 men who had been so exhausted that they could not follow David, whom they also had made to stay at the brook Besor. And so they went out to meet David and to meet the people who were with him. And when David came near the people, he greeted them. And then all the wicked and the worthless men, all these troublemakers, these evil troublemakers of of those who went out with David, they answered and said, because they did not go with us, we will not give them any of the spoil. We're not going to give them any of these valuable items that we recovered, except for every man's wife and children. That's all they get. They get their wives, they get their children, and they can take their families and they can go, but they're not getting any of this valuable stuff. And so that's what these evil troublemakers said in verse 22. And so pay attention to to what David had to deal with after such a great victory. He, He had to deal with the selfishness of the troublemakers that went with him. And so I just want to tell you to Beware of the fact that after every victory and after every spiritual high, after every spiritually high moment, be, beware that, that there's going to be some mess for you to deal with. Just like David, after this, this high moment, he's, he just experienced victory. He had to deal with mess. And, and that's the same thing for many of us, especially when we go on retreats, men's retreats, for example, we a lot of times they, the pastors, they, they tell the men like, hey, when you go down to the bottom of the hill, uh, be prepared for the mess at the bottom of the hill. You, you're in a spiritually high moment right now, but there can be some mess and we just want you to be prepared. And so, yes, rejoice when a blessing comes your way. But the, but the thing I want to tell you tonight is, is to not put your guards down, even in those moments, because the enemy is still lurking. See, but David said in verse 23, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us. The Lord preserved us. He kept us. He delivered into our hand the troop. He delivered into our hand these raiders that came against us. For who will listen to you? Who's going to agree with you in this matter? But as his part is who goes down to the battle, so shall his part be who stays by the supplies. They shall share a light. They're going to share in this. And so it was in verse 25, from that day forward, he made it a statute. In other words, he made it a a policy as law. He made it an ordinance or a rule for Israel to this day that that those who stay behind and watch the equipment or supplies, they get to share in the the benefits or, or in the valuable items that they obtain from war. They get a share in that. And so he made sure that everyone, got some of that spoil of victory. 
And so once again, in the body of Christ, yes, we all play that important part. That brings us back around to that point. But, but here's something I want to add to that point, that when one part of the body of Christ, that is the church, is blessed, when the toe in the body of Christ, and I'm speaking figuratively, if you are toe, for example, in the body of Christ, when, when you're blessed, the entire body is blessed. You know, when one person from the body of Christ, for example, leads someone to Christ, it's not just that person who led them to Christ by, by, by leading them in prayer to receive Jesus. It's not just them who will be rewarded by the Lord, but everyone who played a part in that person coming to the Lord will be rewarded. So if your part was to plant the seed of the word of God, if you were faithful in that, the Lord is going to reward you. That's an eternal reward that will not be taken away from you. Or maybe your job is to come after the person who planted the seed of the word of God in that person's heart. Maybe your job is to water that word. Be faithful in that. You'll be rewarded. Or maybe you're that person who just gave financially to that missionary. You gave financially to that outreach. And then that outreach or that missionary were used by God to lead that person to Christ. Guess what? You, you are blessed as well. You have played a part in that. You, you get some of the spoil of the victory, so to speak. In other words, you get an eternal reward for that as well. So we all play this important part in the body of Christ. And so now when David came to Ziklag, In verse 26, he sent some of the spoil to the elders of Judah, to his friends saying, here is a present for you from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And so this is where Pastor Darrell needs to concentrate on these next few words because they are the names of places And and when you read people's names in the Old Testament, when you read the names of cities in the Old Testament, I can almost guarantee you I don't say them the same way all the time. So be patient with me. So in verse 27, so he gave a present, um, you know, from the spoil of the enemies of the Lord to those who were in Bethel, to those who were in Ramoth of the south, those who were in Jatir, those who were in Aror, those who were in Sifmoth. Those who were in Eshtemoa, those who were in Rechal, those who were in the cities of the Jeramielites, those who were in the cities of the Kenites, those who were in Hormah, those who were in Korashan, those who were in Athak, those who were in Hebron, to all the places where David himself and his men were accustomed to rove or visit it. He gave a share of that spoil to them. So he even shared with those who were in places that he visited during the time he was on the run from King Saul. And these were areas, by the way, that were located in the territories of Judah and Simeon. And so if you were to look on a Bible map, you'll see that these would be in the southern area of the nation of Israel. And so what we see here is a good moment in David's life. 
And it's a blessing to see this good moment in David's life because David had recently had a bad moment when he tried to partner with Achish, that Philistine king of Gath. Remember, he tried to partner with him to fight against the Israelites. Now, that was a bad moment. So it's good to see this good moment in his life that we see in tonight's text. You know, in the past, he didn't show any kingly qualities in, in, in that regard to, to, to him partnering with, with Achish. He didn't show good kingly qualities there, but he showed great, a great quality of a king in tonight's text. And not only sharing the spoils of war with the 200 men who couldn't go into battle, but also by sharing the spoils of war with others. You know, in David sharing this victory with others, I see personally a picture of Jesus. Because Jesus shares his victory to, with all who will receive it, although he is the one, he's the one who faced the shame. He's the one who had his face spit on. He's the one who was punched and, and slapped and beaten and had his body abused and was blasphemed and had that crown of thorns on his head. He's the one who went through all of that. He's the one who went into that battle suffering on the cross. He's the one who went through that battle, but yet and still, it's almost that we can hear Christ say to all the believers that, hey, my victory is your victory. You see, our greater than David has done whatever he needed to do to recover all that was lost, all because of sin. And we see what was lost in that garden, that garden of Eden in regard to the first man, Adam, sinning. We saw all that was lost, but our greater than David, Jesus Christ, recovered everything that was lost. And he, and he experienced that victory over, on the cross. He experienced that victory over death and, and the grave. And like I said, he's willing to share that victory with us. And so in Colossians 2.15, just have a couple of scriptures to share with you. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers. So having disarmed, in other words, these spiritual rulers and authorities, speaking of demons, he made a public spectacle of them. He disgraced those demonic forces publicly, triumphing the, triumphing over them in it. He triumphed over them on that cross. Great victory on the cross. And then we have uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same. In other words, he himself also took upon himself flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. And so uh, Satan used, uh, he used death as a weapon to hold people captive in fear. He used death as a weapon, but, but Jesus defeated him on that cross. He defeated him through the resurrection when when he overcame death and the grave. You see, as a result of Jesus' victory over sin, over death, over the grave, and over the devil, and of course, those demonic forces, the question needs to be asked, what spoils or what blessings or benefits do, do believers get to enjoy? All because of Christ's victory. 
What spoils, what blessings do we get to enjoy? Well, well, first of all, we get to enjoy victory over death, over the grave. We get to enjoy victory over hell. That is, if we, are aligned, if we align ourselves with Jesus Christ by repenting of our sins and turning to him in faith for our salvation, we, have, we too share in that victory over death, the grave, and hell, and And then we also become heirs, and the Scripture says we also become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And the Scriptures tell us, if you read carefully, that that Jesus Christ is the heir of all things. And so if we are joint heirs with him, we are also joint heirs with him in all things. And so that's a part of sharing that victory with him when we put our faith, when we put our trust in him. And he also shares with us because of his victory, he shares with us the position of of holiness. And so Christian, you may not feel like it. You may not think it, but you are right now in a position of holy. You are holy. You are sanctified. In other words, you are set apart unto God all because of Jesus Christ, all because of his victory, because of your faith in him. But then he also blesses us with the position of righteousness. He shares his righteousness with us. He imputes or that imputes. Uh, that righteousness from Jesus Christ, in other words, is imputed into our spiritual account. That is called justification. We have a right standing with God. Our standing with God is righteousness right now, all because of Jesus's victory over sin, death, the grave, and the devil. He shares that victory with us. Oh, and because of his victory, guess what? We get to experience his mercy. That is us not getting what we really deserve, but we also get to experience his grace. That is us being blessed with that which we do not deserve and we cannot earn. And so salvation is because of the grace of God. It is a gift from God that we don't deserve. We cannot earn. If you were able to wake up this morning, if you were able to drive from home to church, if you are blessed with the job, it is because of the grace of God. If you are blessed with children, if you are blessed with health, it is not because you deserve it, by the way. I know some of you like to think so, but it's, but it's not because you deserve it or I deserve it. It is because of the grace of God. And, and Jesus shares that with us because of his victory. He is just like David in sharing that victory with his men. And we also get to reign with him. And that's, again, a part of the blessing of the victory that Jesus experienced on that cross. We also get, by the way, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That is a great blessing. And Jesus told us, he told his disciples that it is advantageous for you that I go away because if I don't go away, then the helper will not come. And so praise God that Jesus, he died on that cross. He was resurrected and he ascended. And now he is at the right hand of the father, making intercession for the believers. But he also, and the father also sent the Holy Spirit who indwells us. And Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will indwell us forever. But another blessing, maybe we don't realize this is a blessing, but the blessing that we receive from the victory of Christ is that we now have access to the Father. If you remember when Jesus died on that cross, remember that that veil was torn from top to bottoms. And that was like, that was like God saying, look, you are welcome to come to me. You don't need a priest. You can come to me. The only high priest you need is Jesus Christ. He represents man to God and God to man. 
And he's able to do that because he's fully God and fully man. And so it is a blessing. It is a spoil, if you will, of victory. The, the fact that we have access to the Father. As Matt comes to the stage, I want to share more blessings with you because of Jesus' victory. Another thing, because of Jesus' victory on that cross, another blessing is that one day we're going to bear his image. Right now, we bear the image of the first Adam. You know, and these bodies are decaying. These bodies are getting weaker and weaker. But one day, we'll get our glorified bodies, and we're going to bear the image of the heavenly man, the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And then, of course, we are blessed with eternal life because of his victory. Eternal life with God the Father. I mean, we have all these spoils, all these things that Jesus recovered. This victory that he has. That not, only, not only that, but we get to claim the title of being more than conquerors. You see, Jesus is the real conqueror. Jesus is the real victor. But look at what it says in Romans 8.37. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. It is through Jesus that we can be more than conquerors. So in other words, no matter what comes our way, what persecution may come our way, it doesn't matter what trial may come our way, it doesn't matter what kind of sickness comes our way, or it doesn't matter what, what problem, anything you want to name, it doesn't matter what demon may come our way. We are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ, and we are able to proudly wear that title of being more than conquerors, all because we are aligned with Jesus, who is the real conqueror. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for who you are and what you are to us. Thank you for all these blessings we get to enjoy all because of Jesus sharing the spoils of victory on the cross with us. Thank you, Lord, for not giving up on us. Many of us said no to you for years. Many of us rejected you for years, and yet you have mercy upon us to allow us to live, to see day after day, to take breath after breath. You continue to prick our hearts and convict us. You continue to woo us through your Holy Spirit and Lord, you allowed us to come to you and be a part of your family. And for those of us who are in your family, Lord, on behalf of my brothers and sisters, I say thank you. And I know in their hearts right now, they're saying thank you. Help us, Lord, to not overlook all these blessings we have in Christ because of his victory. Help us to not overlook these things all because of some issues that we face in this life. And Father, I do pray for those who have not made that decision to make Jesus Christ their personal Lord and Savior. I pray that you would woo them. I pray that you remove the spiritual blinders. I pray that the word that has gone forth tonight and maybe in the past, I pray that that word would continue to be brought to their attention. And so tonight, Lord, I just pray that you would keep my brothers and sisters in Christ. Bless them with good health and strength. Use them in a mighty way this week. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, 
would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.